0: Hello and welcome to another Long Box Crusade Lost episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, and I invite you to take a trip back in time. This Long Box Crusade episode was originally recorded in April of 2017, back when cars were made of steel and candy bars only cost a nickel. Our professional Long Box archaeology team has unearthed this fun-filled look back into 1990, where we talk Justice League Europe, Green Arrow, news stories, movies, and music. Come along with us and experience Long Box Crusade BD BD stands for Before Delvin Enjoy
1: Hello and welcome to episode of the Longbox Crusade, a podcast that covers one or more comic book issues by their cover date, month, and year from the over 20 plus long boxes that have been stashed away, in. not only in my basement, but also in Jason and Jared's as well. Each episode we'll summarize, review, and reminisce about the issues, ads, and events of that time period. I'm Pat Sampson and with me is Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, Back a prescription for danger and jason albrecht weasel skull <laughs> weasel skull
2: in
0: the house death probe
1: and i am christatos how are you guys doing doing great how are you doing well myself
0: i had surgery today <laughs> rub some
2: dirt on it let's talk comics
0: that's how much i care about this show i had surgery today and here i am talking about comics just for our listeners which i think is just the two of you guys
1: just the two of us yes building castles in the sky
0: we can make it if we try pat you always start the show and ask us how we're doing how are you doing pat
1: i'm moving right along and feeling fancy free
0: Are you quoting Muppets songs? No,
1: I'm doing good. <laughs> How can I not be doing good when I'm here talking to you guys? The highlight of my week.
0: Oh, I really do look forward to Thursday nights. I like talking with you guys. Talking. I feel the same way. Good friends and good comics. I feel like Jason just said that out of pressure to be like, the, like <laughs> he was like, I feel the same way. I felt like people were expecting it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> This episode of the Longbox Crusade is sponsored, I was going to say in part by, but completely by, <laughs> Kirk Spencer, friend on Twitter. Kirk is a good dude. And actually, thanks to Kirk, we actually got a comment on Twitter about this episode by the artist of this issue that we're going to focus on. Bart Sears dropped a comment. So it hadn't been for Kirk. We wouldn't have heard from Bart. So this episode is brought to you by Kirk Spencer.
1: Yay, Kirk. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Here's to you.
0: I oh, it. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah.
1: Jason, why don't you tell me what you got going on for a crusade?
2: You've kind of inspired me because I've started pulling out my long boxes and my short boxes and gathered up the piles of comics that oh. I've had lying around here for way too long. And something you said particularly inspired me. Oh. said that you're not a collector, you're a curator. And curators take care of their collections. And so I'm trying to get my collections all bagged and boarded and put away and organized and follow your stellar lead.
1: Well, that sounds very noble of you to be doing that. and and I'm glad I could be your inspiration. I still have to do that to mine though as well, so probably not that You're good. You're
2: leading by example, my yes. friend. You're leading by example.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, how about you, Jared? What uh, crusader you got going on this time?
0: I've got an exciting crusade going on that I can't legally talk about just yet. Probably by the next episode, I probably can I signed an agreement today. All I can publicly say is that I am doing some work for Upper Deck Cards and Marvel Comics, and I'm very excited about that. But that's all I can say for now. More details to come. The other crusade I have, and not a lot of people know this, but I I take some fairly regular trips out to the West Coast, and then I go to Olympia, Washington, and while Jason sleeps, I sneak into his house, and I take his comics out of bags and boards, and I shuffle them up. He doesn't know it, but it's a completely uphill battle. I knew it! it. (laughs) All right, I'll ask. What
1: crusade are you on, Pat? Well, thank you for asking. I've been waiting. (laughs) Patiently. <laughs> patiently. It's like no one was going to, I'm like, is anybody going to ask me what I'm doing? Why do all I right. always have to ask people? It but.
0: better be good with all this buildup. <laughs> Jason and
2: I are on edge. My- Absolutely. Waiting here with a bated breath.
1: Oh, yes. And you should be. My crusade is I'm playing The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> And I've started to go on the crusade to play from the first game all the way through to see how far I get. So eh, I just started on that. Well, let's get moving on with the show here. We invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website, longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook or Twitter by the handle at longboxcrusade. hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all now before we get started with this episode's issues let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show we'll be right back
2: And Water Podcast,
0: a weekly show about movies old and new, hosted by obsessive movie nerd Rob Kelly and a rotating series of special guests from sci-fi and horror dramas to family films, comedies to adventure epics. We watch it all. The Film and Water Podcast is part of the Fire and Water family of podcasts, available weekly at FireAndWaterPodcast.blogspot.com and on iTunes and Stitcher.
1: No let's get into the first segment of the show with what's in your long box.
0: March of 1990. Let's take a quick look into Pat's long box and see what he's bringing. What you got, Pat?
1: Green arrow number 30. The writer is Mike Grell. The penciler is Dan Jurgens. Let me give you a little brief synopsis of the story. After a tanker owned by Argon oil company crashes on the Alaska coast, the company's Paul Chandler claims to have no knowledge of the whereabouts of captain lou springsteen the man who crashed the tanker of course mr chandler knows exactly where springsteen is having placed him in a lodge owned by the company days before for his own protection chandler plans to lay blame on springsteen but a storm prevents him from retrieving his scapegoat for a few days meanwhile we see green arrow arrives at the lodge the man has obviously become somewhat disturbed by his isolation claiming that he hears the cries of nature and the constant howling of a coyote. Chandler decides it's time to go get Springsteen, and they load into a Cessna plane. However, an eagle poisoned by the oil spill falls from the sky through the plane's windshield, and it crashes into the mountainside, killing all inside. As Springsteen awaits a punishment that will never come, Oliver leaves. The Argonne company has rebranded itself as Argos, and the whole event is whitewashed from history. That's the synopsis. Remember when the oil spill happened?
0: Yeah, the Exxon Valdez or Valdez. Yeah. It's
1: it's kind of playing off of that and in this arrow just shows up to talk to this guy in the cabin for a few days as they wait out the storm really no action going on in this at all but i picked it because i never read that never read green arrow the grell version so i picked that one to see what it was all about good story kind of environmentally you know green arrow is that kind of character <laughs> that fights for the environment and, and such so i would i definitely got that vibe from this issue
2: now, i don't really know the character all that well was he always kind of Kind of that way or is this really kind of like
0: the beginning of his more liberal leanings I know it goes back to at least the 70s to the hard yeah, traveling the heroes yeah. tale that's pretty much it I just know that when he was on hard traveling heroes with Green Lantern. Black Canary and the Green Lantern that was sort of the hook of that book and I've got a trait of that somewhere that compiles all those issues they're done really well because the Green Lantern takes a more conservative stance on these social issues they discover as they travel across America America, and the Green Arrow always took the more liberal stance. And it's kind of neat because it's depending on the issue, as in real life, depending on the issue, sometimes someone seems a little more right and sometimes it's kind of split down the middle. So it was well done. It was back in the era where they did those sort of political, social issues stuff, but they weren't beating you over the head with it. So it was a good series.
2: I think I got a trade of that somewhere. I haven't read it. After hearing Pat's synopsis there, I think it'd be interesting to look at that. Particularly in these times that we're living in now, it's kind of past. This prologue. Interesting concept of two heroes with two different worldviews who actually learn off of one another and experience life together.
0: That's not even possible, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't
2: seem so. This was, this was before Facebook, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> there you This go. was before social media. Well played.
0: Well played. <laughs> you, so they actually had to talk right. with one another and, yeah. and learn to live together. They couldn't hashtag their feelings. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, uh, you are correct on that.
1: Other than that, you know, art definitely <laughs> very nice.
0: Oh gosh, you said it was Dan Juergens, man. He is the man. He could draw a little bit. And he can draw, he can write. I got a special place in my heart for him because he's the booster gold guy. I don't know if you know that, Pat, but Dan Juergens created the character. He wrote every issue, drew every issue. He is the man. He does a little bit all right. Plus, you got I mean, he's teamed up with Mike Grell. Mike Grell, yeah. Legend. Yeah.
1: I think I'm definitely interested into reading more. And the Green Arrows I've been picking up here and there as I see them. Them. Definitely kind of excited to get to read more of those. With that, let's get into the feature issue for this episode. And uh, Jared, what do you have? The
0: feature issue for this episode getting in our time machine and going back to March of 1990, we selected a book called Justice League Europe issue number 12. Before we really get into it, just provide a little perspective. This is coming on the heels of the wild success of the Justice League that became Justice League International. DC took a real roll of the dice on JLI and did something very different with the book. Kind of made it almost a workplace comedy action book and it took off like a rocket. People loved it and so they started doing a lot of ancillary stuff and one of the spinoff books from that was Justice League Europe. And so here we have issue 12 from March of 90, which means they're just finishing their first year on JLE. This was published by DC. It had a cover date, as I said, of March 1990. It had a cover price of one greenback. One dollar. Written by Keith Giffen, who was one of the original writers on the Justice League, Justice League International run. It was scripted by Bill Loeb. The art is by the always amazing Bart Sears. Letters are by Bob Lappin. Colors are Gene D'Angelo and Kevin Dooley, I assumed at all the editing work. It's funny on the inside of the book. It just says Kevin Dooley etc. 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 as if he did everything else. They had a real sense of humor about it back in the days. Cover credit Bart Sears cover. So let's just jump right into the cover. It features Metamorpho. He's walking away from a baby carriage holding a rattle and he looks very concerned. He's holding his head. The baby carriage has got a strange green glow to it and even though the issue is titled Bringing Up Baby, the cover actually says like father like Sun question mark pat we'll let you go first tonight what do you think
1: i am kind of intrigued by it and i think i'm intrigued by it because of the last episode we did with metamorpho in it <laughs>
0: Uh, Definitely, I had that same feeling when we picked this issue. But go on, go yeah. on, I'm sorry.
1: And seeing how this guy's really buff, he's got some muscles yeah. all over him. So. But there's not a lot to it, just him standing there and the baby carriage, which is kind of really old-looking baby carriage now. <laughs> looking.
0: Mm-hmm. It is old-timey-looking, that's yeah. for sure.
1: But I like it, not a favorite one, but I'm intrigued to see what's going on inside.
0: I agree with that. Jason? I really like this cover. I had the same
2: thought that Pat did as we looked at it. It's almost like we planned this.
0: <laughs> Our last, <laughs> Which is weird, because we we. We really did not. We really did not. We no, really no. did pick March 90 out of a hat, and then Pat sent us a list of the comics he had that fell into that. I happen to have this issue, so two out of three of us already had it. How did, did you end up acquiring the actual issue, Jason?
2: I did, yeah. Since we pushed this recording a little bit, I was able to get this in time, and I just read it day before yesterday, actually. And as I was reading it, I'm sorry to get away from the cover, but I was really glad that we read that Action Comics uh, yeah, me episode too. Yeah, before, because <laughs> yeah. I was <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, I know who these people are now. Because yeah. I don't think it would have made as much sense to me if I hadn't. But anyway, back to the cover. Yeah, looking at it, I really love the Justice League logo. It's like one iconic, of my... Yeah. It is iconic. And just the red and the yellow, and then that on the plain white background. I mean, that makes it pop. And then my eyes are really drawn to Metamorpho. Admittedly, a character I don't know a lot about. Not necessarily an A-list character, but Bart Sears is just such a remarkable artist. I mean... The way that he has rendered the facial expression and the juxtaposition with the baby rattle. It looks like he's about to drop it. You can see the tension on his face and the concern. And then you look at the baby carriage, which you're right, that's an old school baby carriage. <laughs> but the glowing green that comes out of there, and you can almost see into the baby carriage, but you can't see the baby. And so it's like, what is going on in this episode? And this is a cover that makes me want to open up the book and take a look.
0: Good review there. I agree with that. It is very interesting that we do this on the heels of Action Comics... 413 I think it was if you haven't listened to that episode folks go back and listen to that we have a lot of sort of jokes and questions about metamorpho that actually play into this and once again we did not plan it (laughs) we picked this month and year out of a hat we picked this issue out of convenience and they just lined up it was crazy so anyway I guess that brings us to the story I guess it's time for me to do a story recap and away you go and away we go we start out in just the middle of this dispute metamorpho is there backed up against the baby carriage squaring off against the metal men, which is another group I don't know a lot about, but we'll get into that later. And Guy Gardner is just knocked the F out uh, (laughs) on the floor, just bleeding profusely. He's knocked out in the foreground. Metamorpho is basically staring down all, uh, I don't know, 20 members of the metal men. I'm not sure how many. There's a bunch of them. Basically, Simon Stagg hired the metal men to protect this baby from metamorpho. Presumably, the baby is the baby of his daughter and metamorpho himself. Metamorpho basically is like. Like, it's going to take more than you guys to keep me away from the baby. Of course, this is comic book, so this leads to a flat-out fight. Metamorpho starts fighting all the metal men and, quite frankly, very much holding his own. Meanwhile, his girlfriend, Sapphire, is trying to revive Animal Man, who's also been knocked out, apparently along with Guy Gardner, in a previous issue. Anyway, big, prolonged fight scene. This fight goes on for a while. We do take a story break, and we go to Russia, to the Socialist Center for Medical of human studies, we find the Silver Sorceress and Bluebird. They are being held captive by the Soviets. They found a way to reactivate their powers. Basically, they just split up. She goes back to their old world. Blue Jay hangs around enough to make his prison break, and he shrinks, and he flies out through the air ducts. That's all we get from that scene. We go back to this still huge combat between Metamorpho and the Metal Man. By the time Sapphire gets Animal Man up and about, Dimitri, aka Rocket Red, Shows up. Now you got Java fighting Animal Man and Rocket Red. Some mechanical arms start moving things around in the room and it actually if these mechanical arms knock the baby out of the crib. The baby goes flying across the room. This might be the first time the baby is revealed but it very much so looks like a baby metamorphosis. Java catches the baby only to find out that once he touches the baby he starts melting. Sapphire takes the baby it doesn't affect her. All the battles stop and everyone focuses on the baby. Sapphire hands the baby to the baby's father which is Metamorpho and he's able to hold the baby no problem and he's a very proud papa. Guess who shows up at this point? You guess it. It's Stag. Metamorpho is like here's your grandson but he does not melt like Java did and he actually has this big breakthrough. He's actually weeping and crying and she's crying and they're just so happy to be a family and Metamorpho is actually still kind of bitter about it. Flash forward to the next day Animal Man and Rocket Rider are talking to Metamorpho on the plane. They say, hey, how did you know that when you handed the baby to Stag that he wouldn't melt and Metamorpho was like I didn't I was basically trying to kill that dude in our final scene we're back at the embassy with Animal Man and Rocket Red Animal Man is still being very sad he thinks his family's dead he tried to throw himself into the Justice League to help him forget but it's not helping Dimitri says well I really miss my family too at that point one of the assistants comes in and says hey I got a surprise for you and the surprise is that it is his wife and his children so he's very happy to see them and that is how the issue ends who's got questions (laughs)
1: Oh, I got a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, I've got some issues with this issue. (laughs) I do too, and let me just start out with, let me know if you have any debate on this. I think this issue does a fairly terrible job of giving us any context. We are never told why Guy Gardner is beat up. We're never told why Animal Man was knocked out. We're never told anything about Silver Sorceress and Blue Jay. We're given no context as to why Guy Gardner, like that joke he pulled on Oberon, is funny about how he was being so sweet. There's no context in this (laughs) book whatsoever. It absolutely demands that you have been reading Justice League since they launched it into Justice League International. That's my thought on it.
2: I think that's kind of a common theme with all the books that we've explored this evening, too. So maybe I mean, that's kind of a sign of the times that these folks were just like, well, you're either reading my book or you're not reading my
0: book. (laughs) Let me ask you guys this. Pat, I have never been entranced or enamored with the whole like metamorpho fights the metalman because they all can take these wacky shapes almost like plastic man fighting sure. plastic man fighting plastic man it never does anything for me because i'm like okay it gives the artist a chance to draw some really wackadoodle things mm-hmm. but to me it makes the fight almost meaningless what are your thoughts
1: on that as i read through it, i was thinking the same thing i'm like okay well metamorpho he's like all of them in one piece right
0: mm-hmm. essentially yeah. yeah
1: so and the metal men i've heard of them and they may have shown up in an issue here or there of something else i've read, but. I it wasn't like I would seek them out. So I know that they can change their forms and that. But yeah, I, I don't really understand that. It was like, well, why are you fighting when it's kind of like a, it's a give and a take. No one's really going to win. I mean, he was holding his own, yeah, because he could basically, he's the opposite.
0: Yeah, like he's got all their abilities. Plus he can turn into like gases and whatever. Anyway, Jason, hmm. your thoughts on wackadoodle elementals fights? I kind of enjoyed it.
2: I think uh, I understand. Your time is what... up.
0: Your time is up. Okay.
2: Uh, 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 I uh, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I really enjoyed the art, and the artists seem to be able to take all of these powers and just have fun with them. To me, the issue wasn't so much the wackadoodle fight. I enjoyed that bit of it. I just thought it was a really jarring ending. It's kind of a fun fight, and they have some comedic elements kind of mixed in with it. And then it stopped because this d*** -d 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 got his arms melted off by this baby. And I was just like, That's shocking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They mentioned later
0: on that Stag had found some prosthetic arms for him, so he'll be okay. And I'm like, he has prosthetic (laughs) arms. (laughs) The dude lost
2: his arms, man. Yeah. I thought that was a little weird. The whole relationship between Stag and Metamorpho and Sapphire, they really need a counselor. I mean,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it needs its own who's who DC issue just to explain to us what the hell is going on there. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And, yeah, to
2: answer your question, I enjoyed the fight scene. I thought it was fun, but then it took a really dark
0: turn. Okay, I'll backtrack a little. You're right. Whackadoodle, I can turn into this, you can turn into that, can be fun. But also, it lasted, like, the whole issue. And I like action as much as the next guy. But I can only take so much, oh, I turned into a spool of thread. Oh, I turned into a cloud. I turned into a big lead weight. I turned into, like, I enjoy that, but dang it. if it didn't take
1: the whole issue. Yeah, it was really stretched out. The part of the fight scene that I like is when Dimitri and Animal Man yes. uh, come in. That's kind of fun because then what you see with the art and how it's laid out is you see the one panel's focused on the fight between Metamorpho and whoever of the metal men that he's fighting at that point. But yet in the back, you can see what's going on with Dimitri yeah. and there's either something comic-y there going on and then in the next panel, it's focused on that battle of dimitri and animal man and java fighting and in the background you can see metamorpho and somebody else fighting i kind of went back and forth like that yeah
0: you're right the layout plan by bart sears on the art was really good in that regard there's one particular panel i love where dimitri and animal man are fighting java and dimitri's like come on man adopt the strength of the bear and animal is like there's no animals around and he's just constantly ineffectually punching java in the head and it's doing nothing (laughs) It's all fun
2: and games until someone loses their arms, I guess. (laughs)
0: Let me ask you guys, what did you think about the quick insert in Russia with Blue Jay and I believe that Silver Sorceress? So what did you think of that little story break? I didn't remember who these people were, and so I didn't really
2: understand. At first, I thought they were villains, maybe in a prison. I got the gist that they were from another world and that they were divided. The woman wanted to leave, and the guy, Blue Jay, I think it is, wanted to stay. But I didn't remember these two characters.
0: Memory serves correct. They even mentioned this guy, Wangina. They teamed up with him and he was like a he was like a <laughs> Thor guy. They fought the Justice League early in that relaunch of Justice League, which became JLI, and fought is kind of a loose term. It had to do with getting rid of nuclear weapons and Juan gina and eventually sacrificed himself at this fight they had at a nuclear plant. I don't have a great memory of it. Again, I feel like they gave us this quick little thing, and just as this issue is a standalone, I can't tell. You what the heck this means how it fits in at all just a where are they break. going with this yeah a yeah. prison break of two characters and what kills me about it is if you look at the very first page where we go to the socialist center for metahuman studies there's a lot of dialogue so you think they could squeeze in a little bit of hints they don't <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't help you out at all. That's for sure. Fine. What other story notes do you guys have? Anything you found interesting? Anything you liked? Didn't like?
2: I thought that Metamorpho, really another dark part of that is when he throws the baby basically into the arms of Stag.
0: He's really trying to kill Stag with his own son. That's not very heroic. That seemed a little dark. This issue definitely has like zany goofiness, darkness balance issues. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm not really sure what to think. This guy goes back to the action comics issue that we read last time. Is Stag a bad guy? Is Stag a good guy? Is Metamorpho a good guy or a bad guy? I guess it challenges kind of the black and white notion of hero and villain. So maybe these are just really complex characters, but I don't know. It just seemed like a very villainous thing to do, even if Stag is a bad guy, to try to kill him with your own child. (laughs) That's pretty harsh, man.
0: I won't disagree with you there.
1: (laughs) There There's so many things that I'm not sure what's all going on in this issue, but I think from reading the action comic, it seems like things haven't changed besides, you know, thinking I'll have a baby, but Stag's still the same kind of guy. I think, you know, he seems to be a guy that's out for himself, so I can see where he comes around, and he's probably gonna, yeah, even though he found those prosthetics for Java, I'm sure he's gonna make Java, you know, okay, now you got your arms, go do this, do that for me right now. You know, he's not gonna give him any time off.
2: You spilled my tea again?
0: Damn it. (laughs) Metamorphosis.
1: He's beefier. Like I said, he's more muscular than the old version that we saw, which is, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just really beefed up, you know, must have been working out over those years. <laughs>
0: he can control his own form, so he can make himself look as big as he wants. So, True. it's PDs, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> best way I can summarize the story portion of this is I can vaguely remember reading this when it was new I mean I'm sure I really liked it I have nothing but fond memories of JLI and JLE to get the fullest enjoyment out of this it absolutely demands that you have to have been reading pretty much since the Justice League relaunch in 87 somewhere in there I was at this time when
2: they went to Justice League International and Justice League Europe that really turned me off because I was really getting tired of them taking great titles and watering them down and maybe I understand fairly interpreted that with this title, but that's just kind of where I was at the time when I was collecting. I was late teens, like 18, 19, and I was like, dang it, I don't have to pay it for another title. Just, you know, make a good title
0: and stick with it. You didn't like the fact that they were sort of spreading it around. Yeah. When you said watered down, I thought you, and maybe you mean this too, I thought you meant, well, here we have a Justice League book and Superman's not in it and Batman's not in it and the Green Lantern's not in it and Flash is not in it. That's kind of what I initially thought you meant by watered down.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, to that, degree too a little bit. It seemed like there wasn't any really A-list type characters to bring it along. And I know that's not a really fair assessment, but that's kind of where I was as a teenager. You know, if you didn't have a hook, if you didn't have a Batman or a Superman or one of those A-listers in there, I just like, I don't want to spend another dollar and a quarter or whatever it was to pick up yet another Justice League title that's featuring Metamorpho, you know, and the Metal Men. I'm not doing it. As I read it now, uh, except for the, as we talked about, not setting up the transition very well, or explaining to us what happened in the previous episode. I enjoyed this. It held my interest, and I admit I didn't give it a fair shake when it was on the shelves, but that's just kind of where I was at at the time. I was like, I only have so much money, man. Why can't you just... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a like, fair just assessment. One yeah. Justice League title.
0: And I think you brought up a great point, too. I ding this book hard because it gave us not a lot of anchor points, and It demanded that you read everything else. But I agree with Jason. I think as a single reading experience, I do not regret reading. I think it was fun. A little dark at times. But it did keep my interest throughout the whole book. Pat?
1: I would say that's a fair assessment, too. It did keep my interest reading throughout to figure out what was going to happen. A lot of the fighting, it's like, okay, let's get over with this. And I think I was more interested because of reading Metamorpho that was in that Superman 413 that kept my interest. This does make me want to go back and read more justice league uh, europe reading the justice league international you know just to get more of that backstory so there's obviously some ongoing story that you need to be a part of
2: yeah i agree it did make me want to continue reading or get some of the backstory i think it did a good
1: job of that as far as the metal men go eh, am i interested i don't know i don't think i'm interested in them i'd be <laughs> interested to see with metalmorph with, with the baby what happens afterwards you know, does this yep. baby stay around what goes on
0: i agree with that so let's talk art for a minute. We got Bart Sears running the art show throughout the book. Art thoughts? Jason? Simply put, spectacular.
2: I've always really liked Bart Sears' work. I think he's somebody that maybe he never made superstar status, but has always been a very good artist and serves the story well. I mean, right when we open the book, I just love the image of the bloody Kai Gardner laying on the floor. And then, I don't know why, I guess it's because of the baby. There's a little rubber <laughs> right beside him yeah. with a little blood splatter on it. Nice touch. The fight scene, I know your guys' is feeling on it. And I kind of feel the same way to some degrees. I think it gets a little silly. But it's clear what's happening. And from panel to panel, it really pulled me along on this massive, massive fight scene. Which I enjoyed, I think, a little more than you folks did. But don't Boris Get to the chorus, you know. Let's see some acting. And there it is. I think facial expressions are really well done. I like the... The detail that he puts in the background. Everything from the austere inside of the Socialist Center for Metahuman Studies and then you have the juxtaposition of the lab and even in the battle you can see the laboratory equipment in the background them smashing through computers and things like that. And then you get the big splash page of Stag holding the baby with the tears in his eyes. Even that's kind of a powerful page as you watch his facial expression from when he enters and is first holding the baby with the dark eyes and screaming and then, you know, you flip the page and there he is smiling down with tears in his eyes holding his grandson. That's just really powerful. So, yeah, I think the art is just really well done. Pat,
1: art thoughts? I think the same thing. Art is very well done. I could follow it all along the whole way with no issues. I do like that, you know, even though they're doing, you know, goofy things, you know, I think that they're drawn really great. I got nothing to say besides i really enjoyed the artwork on it
0: and i'd have to agree with you i think I jason covered it well you echoed it well it's a very demanding art issue because of all the wackadoodle stuff he's <laughs> gonna draw and none of it looks bad yeah i mean it's bart sears he's the man like jason said i got zero complaints i will pose the question i always pose if you can have one page what would it be pat what
1: do you think i'd go with the first page
0: i agree with you that's one i would pick as well
1: with guy gardner on the <laughs> <knockout>. <laughs> on the ground <laughs> Yeah, I still do what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, we still don't know what happened but to him, but I guess maybe the metal men beat him up, or maybe those mm-hmm. robotic arms. We will never know unless we go back together. <laughs> and shit. But I agree with you. I think that's a cool image, and you can see Metamorphos squaring off against the Metal Men.
1: Mm-hmm. That one stands out to me the most.
0: I would agree with that. Jason? Well,
2: I wanted to pick a good action page, and there are several to choose from. It's about midway through the book, just after the interlude with Blue Jay and the Silver Sorceress, I think you said her name was. That's right, even though she's not and the, silver. <laughs> and, yeah, even though she's not silver. And we cut back to the fight scene. It starts with this panel with the Metal Men all kind of circling around metamorpho metamorpho is stretching out his right hand ah, uh, page and 10. Then, okay page 10 there's the, the middle part is is that lead I don't remember if that was lead that, uh, I don't I don't remember the metal <laughs> man I'm sorry I don't either he metamorpho like into the computer banks and just unloading on him I thought that whole spread was done exceptionally well I think that would be
0: my page that I would hang on the wall that's a good one good choices all so uh, the only question left about our feature episode of Justice League Europe number 12 is what memories does it bring back for you?
1: Pat? The only memories I have is... Did
0: you buy this recently? Yes. Okay, I think I saw you post that a few months back on like yeah. Twitter. You bought a big Justice League
1: lot. Yeah, yeah this was bought in a big okay. bundle pack. So it was my first time. So really don't have a old memories on this. Just I do remember that day I bought that bundle pack.
2: <laughs> just like yeah. it was
1: just like so it was long ago. Just <laughs> like it was yesterday, yet yeah, was so far away. <laughs> Yeah, How about you, Jared?
0: It brings back a lot of memories for me because I was really into this Justice League run. Jason and I had sort of inherited some Justice League comics from a friend of ours because as Jason mentioned in a previous episode, our mom uh, and dad didn't buy us DC Comics because they thought it stood for dollar comics, which is funny because at this point they are a dollar. But back when we were littler, they thought, oh, they're dollar comics, so we were only allowed to get Marvel. So Jason and I grew up as Marvel kids when this friend of Jason's left Germany and gave Jason all this big box of comics, the Justice League from Jump Street, issue one from Justice League as it became Justice League International, was in there. And it was so captivating. It was so different from anything I'd ever read. I was really invested in the whole universe. So at this time in 1990, Jason and I had returned from Germany. We're back in the States and trying to snag comics here and there. I don't remember if I had this specific issue. If I didn't have it back then, then I acquired it when I was in college to fill it in. It definitely reminds me of the transition time of living in Europe to coming back here and just being heavily invested in the Justice League universe at the time. I wonder what Jason thinks.
2: Well, that friend that gave us those comic books, I had really stopped reading comics at that point. I had kind of walked away from it, thought I was too old for it. And he gave me those comics and said, oh, you need to read these Justice League. And at the time, also, it included the Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns as well. I read that and then he also had Frank Miller's Ronin that was in there as well. So, Justice League International was a big reason why I got back into comics. That really brought up that memory for me. Going back to it in my late teens and realizing hey, these are really good. These are really well written. These are really well drawn and I really dig these. It was the first high, I guess, after I'd been clean and sober for a little while. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and yeah.
0: I never got never got back off the horse after that. Well, I think the only thing left to do in this segment is to go to the polls, see what kind of input we got on Twitter. As I told you the top of the show, we got some input by Kirk Spencer. He is at Big Five, the number five, at Big Five Army on Twitter. If you want to check out Kirk, he's a great guy. He's really into war comics and, well, he's in all kinds of comics, but he specializes in war comics. I threw it out to the Twitter sphere. I, I said, hey, if you want to be part of the show, give us your thoughts and comments on Justice League Europe. So Kirk did respond. Kirk said, whenever I think of the Justice League Europe, I think of this cover by Bart Sears. And he sent a picture of the cover to issue number six, which is the back to school cover where they're all kind of like sitting in a classroom. It's shot through the legs of the teacher and they're pretty good looking legs. And judging by the expression on the Flash's face, he's pleased with her too. And they're all sort of doing very high schooly things. And Captain Adam is writing, I will not talk in class, like a hundred times on the blackboard in the background. <laughs> and it's pretty amusing. That's the memory it brought back for Kirk was that cover from issue six. And then I responded to Kirk. I said, you know what else Bart Sears drew really well that most people don't remember? And I sent him a picture of the Blade series that Bart Sears wrote and drew in the late 90s, which then in turn generated a comment from Bart Sears himself. And Bart Sears says that he, in all caps, loved writing and drawing Blade. So he didn't exactly weigh in on the Justice League (laughs) Europe question, but we did get a comment from Bart tangentially about his Blade work. So it was very cool for him to drop by and at least say something on our thread. So that was cool. So thanks to Kirk Spencer and Bart Sears for dropping some comments.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um,
0: the only other thing I got is I did run a Twitter poll just for about two hours today because I only remembered to do it about two hours before we <laughs> started recording. So the Twitter poll I ran, all I said was I say Justice League Europe, you say... Dot, 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 question mark," And the choices I gave them were Underrated, awesome comic. Meh. As if I don't care either way about it. And the third option was, "What the Hades is that?" In case because you know it's kind of a little bit of an obscure title. If you weren't active back in the '90s or late '80s, early '90s, you might not have heard of it. And funny thing, it was completely equally distributed. Thirty-three <laughs> percent went with awesome comic. Thirty-three percent gave it the meh, and thirty-three percent gave it, "What the Hades is that?" <laughs> One of our regular commenters, Josh Uwe, went so far as to post a GIF. Of the Emperor from Gladiator, you know, with his thumb sideways, making his decision and gave it a thumbs down. So I told him he was muted. (laughs) He replied, LOL. I replied, I cannot read your LOL because you are muted. (laughs) Which is funny in and of itself. Yeah, Josh doesn't know good comics when he sees them. But then again, like I said, it's kind of an obscure title. It didn't feel that way at the time. But now if you grab a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid out of the comic store and say, what do you know about JLE?" They'll probably go, what? (laughs) <laughs> you know, at least 33% of them will. <laughs> so that's it from our online interaction. Thanks again to Mr. Bart's Tears and to Kirk Spencer for bringing him into the conversation. That brings us to the end of this part of the show. So if you want to join the conversation like Mr. Bart Sears and Mr. Kirk Spencer, if you got a comment or a question, you can send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or you can make a comment on our Twitter page at Longbox Crusade or Facebook page Longbox Crusade and just reach out to us in any way and we'll make sure you get to be part of the show. And with that, we're going to roll into our next podcast promo. We'll be right back. This is an imaginary podcast,
1: which may never have happened. The Short Box Showcase. But then again may have, about a father and daughter. I'm Professor Allen. And I'm Emily. Who came from Ohio and talked about comics. Identity crisis. Lone wolf and cub. Hergé's Tintin. The white tiger. It
2: tells of their rise to glory, when the great guests were yet to be booked. I didn't know this was going to be the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast.
1: <laughs> Always the Jimmy Olsen hate podcast. And the great feats of editing, not yet performed. Ultraman, this is Ultra Seven, this is Ultraman Jack, and this is Ultraman Taro, and this is Ultraman Leo, and this is Ultra- of how they spoke at length. When I read a comic, story comes first and art comes second. Continuity is really the brainchild of nitpicking nerds the world over. Those are our people, Emily. And reviewed in brief tales that explore creatively the bounds of a given character's history. Superman has basically the same relationship with Wonder Woman that he has with Batman. Of brilliant creators
2: before their fall from grace. This is the era where Miller is at the height of his creative
1: and artistic powers. And the ability of strong writing to encapsulate and transcend its time. Flash of Two Earths by Gardner Fox. This is an Imaginary Podcast. Aren't they all?
2: Shortbox Showcase is part of the Relatively Geeky family of podcasts. Check us out on the web at relatively geekypodcast.blogspot.com. Or search
1: in iTunes for Relatively Geeky or Shortbox Showcase.
0: And remember, we're not experts. We're just family.
1: Welcome back from the break. We hope you like the promo for
0: Shortbox Showcase. It's
1: a friend of the show, and we really enjoy listening to
0: Shortbox Showcase.
1: We hope you give it a try. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I can't recommend Shortbox Showcase enough. I'm going to listen to Shortbox Showcase right after this podcast. Good deal.
1: Good. That sounds like a plan. Let's get into the next segment of our show called Add It Up. Add It Up. Add it up. Now it's time to scan through the issue for the top ads that stand out to us. Let's take a look and see what we found interesting.
0: (laughs) Let's take a look at these Nintendo ads. Which video game do you guys like best?
1: (laughs) A lot of the ads have to do with video games. So, not that there's anything wrong with video games. Heck no. Jason, what ad stands out to you?
2: Just as you open up on the inside front cover, the upper deck baseball cards. I was really into those. I thought I could retire. I was told that these cards were going to be worth (laughs) millions of dollars. I see Ken Griffey Jr. in there. I had like two of those so, yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for my investment to mature. Um, <laughs>
0: I know this is your ad. And I want to interrupt, though. I see the greatest athlete the world has ever produced on this page.
2: Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. His career was unfortunately a little brief with the Kansas City Royals, but uh, while he was there, he definitely made a splash. One of my favorite players down there is uh, Barry Larkin. I think that's yes. uh, an uh, underrated man. He was outstanding shortstop. But yeah, an upper deck. They kind of tailed off there for a little while, but they've really started scoring some great talent here coming up, particularly with some. <laughs> of their superhero series so i'm really looking forward to <laughs> the, I'm, I'm looking forward to picking up some upper deck superhero cards in the not too distant future i think it's a wise maneuver yeah.
1: <laughs> don't miss that yeah, those action.
2: cards pan out
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know the funny part is i just realized that by the time this episode comes out i won't be under confidentiality anymore more than likely
1: well that'll be good so well, uh, already, I could
0: yeah, the, I can spill I can spill the beans, but you'd have so to So we can just we can, can just we can just spill it right now? Just right now? You
1: already <laughs> you, you already tweeted it.
0: No, I the only thing I can say is that I'm working on a Marvel and oh. Upper Deck project. Project. I can't okay. say what it is. Okay.
1: Could I'm be doing, cards.
0: It could, yeah, be. it could be Could be cards. <laughs> I think
1: you're doing Upper Deck recipe cards.
0: I got a banana bread. Buckwheat pancakes. <laughs> That's <right. Aunt> <laughs> buckwheat pancakes. I got a banana bread that'll blow your helmet off.
1: <laughs> They'll make that the foil one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I got to agree with Jason on this Upper Deck ad. Jason and I were like crazy baseball card collectors at this time. We were hip-deep in in the early 90s, like when everybody got hip-deep in baseball card collecting in the 90s. I remember having these cards, seeking out these cards. We were baseball card fiends back in the day. And Upper Deck was like the hoity-toity ones. You had Tops, Fleer, Donruss, and Upper Decks like had the better quality cards. Yeah. So did you go through the baseball card phase back Uh, then, Pat?
1: No, not a lot. Little here and there. I think when I was a lot younger I, I did, but...
0: Jason and I did it pretty steady from even before the big boom. We were into baseball yeah. cards pretty steady, for almost as long as I can remember. I think it kind of started with when our uncle gave us a big lot of cards from the 60s and 70s. And so Jason and I were pretty much collecting cards, 80s and 90s, and then ever, as of about 90, 91, that's when everybody started getting into cards.
2: I'm actually kind of dabbling back in now because Topps has these heritage cards, and basically they are the cards with the same background as the ones like Uncle Kurt gave us from the Mm -hmm. 60s and early 70s but with modern day players so I I really kind of like that it's got the retro Retro background that'd be kind of neat you know they have the chase cards and all that good stuff too but I really like the background and and everything so I collected those but what was really depressing is there was a retro background of like the 80s like the ones we collected (laughs) (laughs) retro background yeah I'm like man I Officially old now. They're (laughs)
0: oh no! Like I've got the originals of these. So yeah. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, great memories off those upper decks.
1: Cool. How about you, Jared? What did you choose?
0: Well, I looked at all the choices of the Nintendo games I could choose from because that's almost exclusively what else was in this book, as you mentioned before. And I'm a big Nintendo collector. So the ones I had to choose from were Sky Shark, Willow, Double Dragon, Operation Wolf, and Double Dragon 2. Yeah, Once again, it's horrible. weird to have a yes, yes. Once again, it's weird to have a game and its sequel advertised in the same comic book. <laughs> I, I do, think that's yeah. really bizarre. <laughs> but,
1: I found that weird. I'm but, like, what the
0: of all those I I decided to take the underdog not a lot of people know how good the game willow was so i decided i would focus in on the willow ad which is you know it's fairly straightforward it says prepare for wicked fantasy and it's got the box artist by capcom capcom's famous for making pretty solid games this is ends up being a pretty solid little rpg that's actually a lot of fun a lot of people will pass by movie games because traditionally movie games are not mm-hmm. good but willow is actually pretty good i I passed on it for years until a buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Jesse, was uh, looking at my collection and he said, Hey, this Willow game is actually pretty good. And I was like, I don't believe you because it's a movie game. And we popped in and it, it is a lot of fun. So, yep, yeah, that's why I picked Willow on the NES. Now, before we move on, I want to put a twist on an old game. We play what's in the Laserdisc collection, right? Mm-hmm. So, Pat, I want to throw this to you. We got Sky Shark, Willow, Double Dragon, Operation Wolf, Double Dragon 2. Which one of those games is is not in my NES collection. Good luck. Sky Shark. You going with Sky Shark? Mm-hmm. Jason has a little bit of an unfair advantage because he's been around my collection. What do you think, Jason? I'm going to guess Sky Shark. That's what Pet guessed. You both went in on a trick question. I own them all. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. Ah, <laughs> Enough of my silly games. Doing my usual bit where I tell you what it's worth on the secondary market. If you just have a regular cartridge of Willow, you're looking at about 10 bucks. If you have it complete, you're looking at more around $5. Thirty dollars. If you have one that's brand new, still sealed, never been opened, eh, you could probably rake in about a hundred bucks. Huh. Very cool. So there's your Willow values. Let's throw it to Pat. Which Nintendo ad did you pick? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, it was a lot of different video game ads, and <laughs> so the one I chose out of all those video games that were presented to us, so it's the '90s. So it's definitely video games was a big thing that was going on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I picked. It's for the Atari. 7800 if you remember that. Yes. <laughs> it's Pick a Fight after school and it shows four boxes of games. The first one is Xenophobe. The other mm-hmm. also uh,
0: available on the NES.
1: <laughs> the another one is Rampage.
0: Also available on the NES. <laughs>
1: Another one is Double Dragon. NES and Commando.
0: NES, yeah.
1: I only picked at this ad just because I know the games and from the NES at the time. I think <laughs> we only had the, like an early Atari 2600. So once the NES came out, that was it for me. It's either it was NES, Super NES, and then so on. But the games, Xenophobe, I love playing that game. That game was a fun. Game
0: definitely an alien ripoff.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just walked around room to room shooting aliens. Well, I wasn't too much into Rampage.
0: I love Rampage. My son really well, that's loved that the one it. with like King Kong or yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah or Godzilla? Yeah, oh, that man. was awesome, man. That game was great. It's a lot more fun in the arcade than it was on the home ports, though. So yeah. I could understand oh, if you okay. weren't big on it on the home ports.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't. Just, it wasn't you
0: don't like to smash em up or?
1: No, not really, I guess. Yeah, yeah fair I, enough. I don't like smash em ups. Another one is Double Dragon. I'm not really a fighter guy either. Well, you, there's something a-
0: wrong with you, man. Double Dragon's well, fun. But
1: that's a, that was a side scroll. So that one wasn't bad.
0: I love Double Dragon.
1: And the last game is Commando. And man, would I go Commando on that game!
0: He's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a
1: good. I like that game. That was a good game.
0: That's the one I have the least memory of, Commando. I don't remember. I'm sure if I saw it, it would come back in a flash. But, all right. So, Pat, we talked about how all four of these were also available on the NES. Mm-hmm. Which one of these is not in my collection? None. You have them all. That's correct. <laughs>
1: Now let's get to the segment called Way Back in Time Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek Back into history What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? March, 1990 Jason, go ahead and start us off with some major news from that time.
2: Sure, Pat. On March 6th, an SR-71 set a transcontinental record flying 2,404 miles in one hour, eight minutes, and 17 seconds as that Air Force weenie was trying to get
0: back before the chow hall closed. (laughs) (laughs) Jared? As we talked about earlier in the episode, if Pat didn't edit it out, Jason and I had just returned from living in Germany, and on March 18th, Of 1990, the first free elections were held in East Germany. If you know your history really well, you know a few months earlier in the fall of 1989, the Berlin Wall came down, and Jason and I were there for that which was a really amazing time to be in Germany or in Europe in general. What an amazing event, right? So on March 18th, the first free elections were held in East Germany. And surprise, surprise, (laughs) their conservative political candidates beat out the communists. It's almost like East Germany was tired of living (laughs) under communist rule. But what an amazing time to be living in Germany to see something like that happen. Luckily, I was just old enough to kind of understand it and respect it. And I know Jason's five years older, so it was probably even more impactful for him, but it was amazing.
2: It was definitely an amazing time, and and just seeing people reunited with family and relatives for the first time, and a feeling of power and hope. Yeah, Jason and I lived really
0: close to the border when there was a border for East Germany and West Mm. Germany.
1: It was cool. Awesome. Well, on that note... (laughs) <laughs> what you got, Pat? I, I'm, on March 21st, Normal Life, starring Moon, Unit, and Dweezil Zappa, premieres on <laughs> CBS TV. I don't think I watched that. It's what do you guys
0: think if ones. I change from Death Probe to Moon, moon Unit?
1: unit. <laughs> yeah, well, somebody's got that already. <laughs> All right. Start us off with the movies for March of
0: 1990.
2: Well, Pat... <laughs> The first movie is a little one called The Hunt for Red October.
0: Broke in 120 million clams. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any idea how much money Tom Clancy made the United States Navy? Because they're the ones who initially published his books.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: he could not get a publisher to do it, so the United States Navy published his books, and then the return on investment there was insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I got some crappy movie called Bad Influence that nobody's heard of. What you got, Pat?
1: Body chemistry. I got nothing on that. Nothing.
0: Yeah, I've got one that uh, I think, yeah, I got nothing. Coop de Vil. Nope. I got another turd fest called The Handmaid's Tale. I got nothing. Dang it, Pat, you got a decent
1: one. This is a great one. On March 9th. The movie to rock all movies came out. <laughs> and if you're gonna jam, you're gonna jam to this because it's a house party.
0: Woo! House party, kid <laughs> and play, kid
1: and play. I got the album to that.
0: I am
2: not surprised.
0: <laughs> Jason's about to get another good movie.
2: Yeah, I'll yeah. see your paltry 26 million house party with a 39 million mega hit
0: called Joe versus the Volcano. Underrated flick. It is uh,
1: Definitely. Flick. Good movie.
0: Yeah, I got uh, the last of the finest. Nobody cares. Moving on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got my next, another last movie that came out on March 9th is Love at Large. Got nothing on that either.
2: Well, I'm a little furious to find out that Blind Fury only made two million dollars. That's that a really Rucker good That's Rucker Hauer? That's
0: Rucker Hauer,
2: man. That okay. was he, he was the blind samurai? Yeah, I've been
0: springing a vague bill. Man, that's an awesome movie. Well, I'll see your two million dollars and raise you seven million dollars with Blue Steel, which is a Jamie Lee Curtis cop movie that I've never seen.
2: Uh, yeah, I know it had Jamie Lee Curtis in it, but I've never seen it
1: either. Heard of it, but not seen it. I will see your seven million dollars and <laughs> lower that to 1 million (laughs) as we begin the forbidden dance the forbidden dance
0: ironic because Jason's next
1: yeah Jason's next
0: and look at the name of his movie which is known as the forbidden dance yes
2: Oh, okay. And it made four million dollars, and it was known as <laughs> No, 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 it's not La Bomba.
0: Oh, Lombada. it's not La
2: La I was like, La Bomba only made four million. I
0: thought was a bigger movie than that. Yeah. I got Lord of the Flies. Most people, you know, no books, know Lord of the Flies. I know I've never seen this version if that is indeed a retelling of the book.
1: All right, next on the list is Nuns on the Run, which I got nothing.
0: I know somebody's getting the classic right here $178 million power yeah health. I think I got the biggest money maker but I'm not a big fan it's Pretty Woman Julia Roberts and Richard Gere it's not fair to say I'm not a big fan I'll drop this bombshell on you I have never seen it but I never really got the desire to see it it did really well at the box office and I know it's something of an iconic movie but I've never seen it like if somebody's like handing me the DVD or said let's watch this on Netflix I would check it out but I don't spend a lot of time going I gotta go see Pretty Woman I've never seen it to this day I've seen it. Am I I missing out?
1: Nope. Next on the list is a shock to the system. I don't know what that is, and it ain't no shock to my system that I really want to.
2: (laughs) I'm going to skip right over mine and go to the last (laughs) one. No, 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 (laughs) no. Ah, uh, I'm kidding. Opportunity Knox is mine. Can't say as I've heard of that one either.
0: Well, well, well. I will bring it home for the final movie. On March 30th, made $135 million. Pat, please play me some background music. This is where you play T-U-R-T-L-E Power. T-U-R-T-L-E Power, T-U-R-T-L-E Power. T-U-R-T-L-E Power. T-U-R-T-L-E Power. T-U-R-T-L-E Power.
2: On the half-shell, they're the heroes for In this day and age, who could ask for more?
1: The crime wave is high, with buggings mysterious All police and detectives are furious Cause they can't find the source Of this lethally evil force This is serious, so give me a quarter I was a witness You are Power
2: Power Go Turtles, go Turtles
0: Now you're mixing two different songs <laughs> oh
1: that's right that's two that's two that's
0: yeah i want i like yeah. the t-u-r-t-l even yeah. anyway the movie is teenage mutant ninja turtles but the t-u-r-t-l-e power song which i love still bugs me because as the guy's doing his rap there's a line in his rap where he's like Raphael. he's the leader of the group and i'm like no he's not Raphael's never been the leader of the group so leonardo <laughs> song is full of <laughs> man <laughs> So you like Turtles Yeah Turtles was good (laughs) (laughs) It still stands up today As an adult My kid likes to watch it The first one was good I didn't really care For the sequels The best Turtles movie In my opinion Is still the animated one That came out in like Oh yeah Oh Six Ish Yeah. The two most recent ones, the live actions, have actually been pretty good. A lot of people are like poo-pooed them without seeing them because they're like Michael Bay. He didn't direct them. He just produced them. Mm. And they're not bad. I enjoy watching them with my son.
1: I haven't seen them at all either.
0: They're good. I mean, I won't sit here and tell you they're great movies, but they're fun.
1: Well, let's get into the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. Number three is Opposites Attract. By Paul Abdul. Duet with the Wild people.
0: Take two steps forward. I take two steps back. We come together. Yes, You know, it ain't It's a natural fact. I mean, I think that's how it goes. Yeah. I'm a man, so I don't, I'm not sure. You take
1: it easy. You take it <laughs> slow. You take
0: it I it take it <laughs>
1: I go to bed <laughs> early
0: And I party all night I'm going to nominate Jason to do the number two song Just because I think he's going to remember how it goes And I don't remember how it goes Just a little bit dangerous I rock it <laughs> Come on baby, let's get away We'll save our troubles for another, another day, day. <laughs> S- <laughs> Come, pay, So anyway, the number one song in the land was Escapade by Janet Jackson. And I do indeed love that song. I love everything about Janet Jackson.
1: Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. If you're nasty, yes. (laughs) And we're
0: some nasty boys. Escapade's a good jam. Yes.
1: That's going to bring us to the end of the show. You got a question or comment, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow or leave a comment on Twitter at Longbox Crusade.
0: episode is brought to you in part by jack's trojans oh. I, I knew it <laughs> i knew it
1: you're gonna get bleeped that was just a bad joke there so i'm sorry
0: yeah i know where you're going with it so you know else. and i play in it 90 minutes at a time every other week
1: you know yeah. because
0: kids yeah, exactly freaking kids are like oh, i need food and drop me off at school and just stupid things Ooh, like that.
1: Take the dog <laughs> out. Ooh.
2: And we're providing this t- for free to you folks, man. Let's, okay. This is quality stuff. And we're giving it back to you. <laughs>
0: That's a good bane. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking
1: about. I'm, you know I'm <laughs> going to Loud have-
0: noises. There's no one else but you and me I don't want no one else I don't want no one else Baby, I'm tired, I'm tired I don't want to play these games no more No more I want to play with you, girl I want to play with you, girl Just you and me You and me these games no more one on one I wanna play my game tonight on one alright I'm back <laughs> I left you a little something oh.
1: <laughs> see that's why I leave so you can leave me something <laughs> speaking of pictures did you get the picture <laughs> I sent you Saturday
0: was it the one of your t- no. <laughs> no, that was, that was Wednesday. <laughs> I was going to say, that was, that was Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My best friend, Delvin Williams, worked at Aladdin's Castle when I was in college. Oh, uh, it might have been the last Aladdin's Castle on the planet. Oh. Aladdin's empire was crumbling, but oh. Delvin was there to hold it together <laughs> at the final stronghold. <laughs> you Not, on my watch, <laughs> Not on my watch, said Delvin. Not
2: on my watch. No, la, not, la 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 bada. <laughs> la la, la, la bada. I'm not La Bamba. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jason's Jason's fishing hard for outtakes.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I love turtles. I saw this in the
1: cutting out. You missed yep. it. He really loved it.
0: Yeah, he loved it so much. He's going
2: to watch it right now. That's Sorry. fine. <laughs> it's good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah. Uh, okay, I'm dead. I'll be good now.
0: That's a wrap on this Longbox Crusade Lost episode. Thanks for journeying back into the past with us. Again, the full-length and up-to-date feedback section will return when we return to more currently recorded episodes. Of course, we greatly appreciate the love and support you have all showed us over the last couple of years. We look forward to producing some new episodes where we can thank each of you by name in the feedback segment of the show. Thanks again for tuning in to this Lost episode, and we'll be seeing you again soon, somewhere over by the long boxes.